Read. Junk. Read. Junk. Read. Junk. Podcast. Read the podcast. Read your host, my guy. Hey everybody, holy crap, it's been about six months since the last time I did a podcast episode. It has been a long time, since December, I think. I don't know what it was, I just wasn't feeling it. Everyone was doing a podcast these days, and I'm like, well, everyone else is doing more, why are they going to listen to me? Um, Plus, just personal life was in the forefront. My family is growing, going to be having a new baby showing up any minute maybe in a couple days, maybe a couple weeks. I don't know, but baby's coming. I can't wait to meet him. Um, Him, yes, I'm having another boy. Um, Let's see, what else? Um, I got vaccinated, and I think after getting vaccinated and the whole side effects of that, which beats having COVID, but uh, after that, I think the stress levels went down a little bit. Um, I'm currently working on a new website for rejunk.com slowly, which stress levels are going back up for that. Uh, I'm trying to code it and just dealing with site issues currently on the website as well because the site's slow. Just WordPress, database stuff, and just a big fucking headache. Um, So if you're a WordPress developer or programmer, reach out. Let me know if you can help in any way um, or just answer some questions that I have uh, because this stuff is just frustrating the hell out of me. Um, anyway, this episode is pretty much a two-parter combined into one episode because I recorded this over two weeks. It's with Steve Schaefer, who worked at Moon Records for many, many years and who has been doing Duff Guide to Ska just as long. And he wrote his book last year called Duff Guide to Two-Tone, which you can get on Amazon right now. Um, he was a f- also a founding member of Rude Boy George, and he also put on some shows at Characters in New York City called Electric Avenue, which I went and attended a lot of those as well. So we have a lot to discuss. We talk about the ska scene, talk about Moon, obviously. We talk about the new ska scene, the, the new in quotations. We talk about his old label. We talk about his little article about the interrupters a little bit. And, uh, and then we just, yeah, just shooting the shit for about two hours. It was a good, long conversation that i think you all should definitely check out it's a lot of good stuff in here if you haven't already be sure to check out the site on social media subscribe to the podcast it's on spotify apple google youtube all over um i switched podcast hosting to anchor.fm i used to have podbean but i was sick of paying for posting pretty much so we'll see how this works out all right, here's the episode, my chat with Steve right here on the Rejunk Podcast. Well, this is a long time coming. Uh, I've been wanting to uh, get you on the podcast for a, a long time now, and my lazy ass has just been kind of like, Neh, to like just doing podcasts in general. So this is actually the first Rejunk podcast of the year. Um, I'm joined by Duff, Ga- Duff Guy to Ska, uh, blogger Steve Schaefer. Uh, you might know him from Moon Records. He might he's done Electric Avenue. Lots of other things. Um, how you doing? I'm doing all right, uh, and I'm uh, honored to be your uh, 
debut uh, interview. For 2021. <laughs> yeah, 2021. Everything's opening up again. Yes, it's uh, it's kind of weird seeing daily shows and tours announced. And I'm like, wow, it's getting back to normal. And I'm like, I'm still not know if I'm there yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. Everyone's sort of, you know, feeling their way back to normalcy. Yeah, um, we could talk about that. The one, the one thing that everyone was talking about a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm sure you have an opinion on it, but, um, but you. So I mean, last August I think is when your your book came out, Duff Guide to Two Tone. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about that, I guess, right off the bat. So it, it I I still didn't get a copy because I you know I designed the cover of it, but I never didn't get a copy. Are you didn't get a copy? No. <laughs> Oh geez, well, I'm I'm embarrassed. It, no, I, it's okay. It's okay because I'm wondering: is it like print on demand? Is that how Amazon works? It's it's print on demand, but it you know it looks you know it's it's bound. It has a nice uh, shiny cover. Um, if you if I were to put a copy of it on you know in a bookstore, um, you would not be able to tell the difference. You would think it was printed in a batch of five thousand copies. Um, the, it, the the quality is that good. Nice. Um, the binding is really good. Um, and again, you would not be able to tell the difference. So, um, but is so that, it's amazing. Yeah. But is that is that like a, a thing where it's like if someone orders it, then they print it out? Is it so? It's kind of like the way I do T Public. Yeah. Is that how it? Okay. Yeah, it's like, crazy. Yeah. They they print somebody places an order on Amazon and then they print one copy. Um, and I, it, you know I. What's nice is I'm able to purchase them at cost um, and I can, you know, I can order as many as I want. And then, and actually I have, and what I've done is I've um, then sold them at, at wholesale price uh, to several different um, SCA related mail order services here in the U S and then over in, in England and in Europe. Um, but the, you know, but the great thing is it's there. Amazon's cost to print a copy is four bucks. I don't know how they do it. Um, but it's, it's a great, it's great. Um, so I'll, you know, I'll take it. And it's, you know, the nice thing is that I, you know, I don't have to, you know, if I, if I wanted to try to print it myself, I would, you know, be sitting on boxes of books right now. So, um, you know, it's pretty convenient. I know I'm, I'm dealing with the devil, but, um, yeah, yeah, I can it. <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like the double-edged sword of like, well, it's like, it's like they took out all the bookstores and then it's how convenient that they have an Amazon bookstore in the Garden State, you know, Plaza Mall yes. and, and, yes, and exactly. things like that. But, yes. but at the same time, like, well, if I ever want to do like a children's book or I can go that route too, you know, it seems like a lot of people are doing it like ebooks or just that way too. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I mean, to their credit, it, it, you know, it's set up very, you know, simply, and it's, you know, it's not hard to do. I mean, you know, the, the, the onus is on, you know, the author and, you know, and the illustrator, if you have an illustrator to like, you know, create a good, you know, a good product. Um, but for the actual publishing part, they, you know, they really do make it very simple um, to set up and use. And I mean, literally, you know, I, once I, you know, once I got my book in its final form and, and with your wonderful help, um, you know, had the cover taken care of, you know, it was uploaded and then, you know, available a few days later. I mean, it's, it was crazy. So I mean, let me ask you, did you, did you, 
originally think of going this way or did you think about shopping this kind of idea to a publisher first and then like that just kind of fell through yeah that's a, that's a great question actually um what was what was what was kind of funny in in 2019 um i was interviewed for extensively i was interviewed for three ska books um aaron carnes aaron carnes's in defense of ska I talked to him um, on I don't know, multiple occasions for hours on end. Um, and then I also talked to Mark Wasserman for his uh, Skaboom um, oral I read your chapter. Oral. That's how far I got. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's really, it's really good. I mean, he did an amazing job. But I talked, but I also talked to him on several different occasions yeah. and, and at length about things. And I think I'm in, I think I'm in the toasters, scofflaws. And let's go bowling chapters, which is pretty cool. I didn't get um, that far yet. I just like started reading it, but it's like it's so tough trying to sit down and read a book. Like I, oh, I know it's absolutely. But no, it's like I got Aaron book and Mark's book. I got to read and then yours as well when I when I finally get it. <laughs> yeah, and then there's there's another book coming out um, by this music journalist, uh, oh, Ken. Yeah, Ken Partridge. Um, I have some photos it, in that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's called uh, Hell of a Hat, I think. Yeah, and it's about. about yeah, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, because I had I so so yeah. I think maybe it was through you, but yeah, he reached out to me, so we got some photos. I, I got some of my photos yes. that he used, and one of them's on the cover. I think the one of the okay. I think the sax saxophone player of uh, Royal Crown Review. So awesome. Yeah, awesome. great. Yeah, so he so he too he has a book coming out through uh, one of the university presses. Um, and that's coming out in the fall, I think. I think so, um, yeah. Like September, and, I think. Yeah. And he's 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 great. He's a wonderful writer. Um, he And he actually, um, he's done a lot of pieces that have been in all kinds of music publications and websites. Um, and he's also an editor at uh, Genius, that website, Genius, that has like all the the band lyrics. Okay. Um I don't know exactly what he does there, but but it, I, I've, I've read a bunch of his stuff and it's, he's really He's a really good writer. So, so anyway, so I had done all these interviews, um, you know, with all these, with these three different authors and, um, you know, for years I've had various, um, friends say like, you know, why don't you write a book about this? Why don't, you know, you've, you know, you've been, you know, you, you're at Moon Records for so long and involved in all this, you know, you should write a book, you should write a book. So initially, um, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I, I should. So I put together, um, you know, a proposal um, that I sent out to a bunch of, of um, music, uh, well, actually, you know, uh, publishers who publish music books and essentially pitched this whole like, you know, oh, you know, I've, you know, I've written, you know, this, this ska blog for 10 years and I have, you know, you know, hundreds of reviews and, you know, it would make a great book and no one's really, you know, put out anything that's covered, you know, new ska music you know since i mean i started the blog in 2008 so no one has really covered that and i can collect it you know and i sent it out and um to a lot of you know did my research put together a really good proposal and sent it out and you know didn't get anything and i was you know kind of bummed about that um and then you know you know got a, a few didn't answer. And then I got a few rejections, which was fine and expected. Um, and the pandemic hit and I was kind of like, you know, had a lot of time on my hand, hands and was sort of re-examining, um, you know, my approach. And I was like, you know what, maybe this is just too big. 
Um, and it was really going to be a beast to like edit and clean up. I mean, it was like, you know, 400 pages or something like ridiculous. Um, and I was like, well, why don't I figure out if there's like a, you know, a subset of, you know, reviews in there that would make, you know, I, something smaller and, and that I get my hands around. And also at the same time, I was like, you know, let me look into, you know, I'd, I'd heard about the, you know, Amazon uh, prints on demand. So I was like, let me check this out. Um, and so I read about that and it was, you know, you know, doable and I could, you know, um, you know, it seemed something that I could tackle pretty easily. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, certainly come from, you know, the do it yourself, uh, generation. So, and then I was like, Hey, I have all these, like, you know, these reviews, um, from, uh, of new releases, uh, from all the two-tone bands and all, you know, in, in their various incarnations over the last, you know, now like 12 years. And so, you know, decided to sort of put all those together uh, and then wrote, I, I, there were one or two like new entries, but it was, you know, mostly sort of a, a, a collection of things that I already published on the, on the uh, blog. Um, but it made a really good book. Um, so I put it together during my pandemic time and um, was able to get um, Gosmael of the Trojans to write a nice little introduction since he had been, um, you know, actually, you know, he had been there, you know, when Two Tone was happening and co-wrote uh, one of the Body Statue songs and, you know, knew all the players and, you know, he wrote a really lovely intro, um, you know, and, and then I got it done. It was, you know, and, I, you know, and it was also there was it was also sort of like, you know, here I am, like, you know, sharing, you know, all this, you know, stuff that I know about you know, Moon Records and the ska scene in the 90s and et cetera, et cetera, with everyone else. And I was like, you know what? I want to get a book out too. Um, so it's sort of a little... Seems like healthy. a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. It was also sort of like, uh, there was something also really nice about being able to get it out before everybody else too. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, First these other guys. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> these other guys, you know, and they're working with publishers and, and that's a whole other beast. And I know, you know, how much... Um, I mean, I have an inkling of how much work that is, and I'm, I'm sure it's much more than I'm even aware of. So it's kind of nice. To get, it, was, it was sort of like competition, a little jealousy that they were all doing this. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was nice to get it done too. Yeah, um, I mean, it's just to have say, hey, I have a book. I'm an I'm an author yeah. now. Kind yeah, of exactly. Thing. Nice yeah. little subtitle to your your name a little bit. I mean, looking back, do you think? Was there anything that you would have done differently? Like, would you have gone doing like rehashing reviews or done more of like a couple chapters of like just straight up writing? Or is it like, is it just reviews broken up and then kind of, or is there some type of, since I didn't read it, so I, I can't really. Yeah, no, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. And first of all, after this, you're going to give me your address. And I'm, just gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to be interviewing you or anything. You don't have one. Um, I, anyway, um, yeah, so. So essentially, um, it's uh, it's broken up um, into sort of two main sections, and there's a there's a chapter on each band, um, and um, it's sort of I mean it depends on the artist and what you know what they're releasing, and also sort of my level in, of interest. Um, but it's you know it's some reviews of you know of of new albums and singles that they had produced since 2008. Um, and I also covered some of the, you know, the more recent reissues of, you know, the classic two-tone stuff. But then there are also, um, there are a couple interviews in there. 
that I'd done. There, there are interviews with like Pauline and Pauline Black and also with Roddy Radiation. Um, I think there are a couple of uh, sort of thought pieces. Um, and then there are also, um, there's a whole other uh, sort of towards the back of a book. Uh, there's this whole chapter that uh, that I basically called two-tone adjacent bands. Mm. So, yeah. um, so there were, <laughs> there were like, so there were some weird, um, you know, intersections of, uh, I mean, I like I, I had done some reviews of some of the reissues of, of Laura Lakin's material from the two, right around the two tone era. So that was a perfect thing to put in there because um, it sort of ex- it touched on that. Um, there was a great compilation um, uh, that um, and VP put out of sort of like all the reggae that was coming out in England in sort of like the late uh, the late seventies that was sort of overall that was popular amongst the punks. I think it was called like, Oh, Babylon up yours or something like that. But I, that, or that was the subtitle for it, but it's a, it's a really good compilation. So I wrote about that too. And sort of the intersection of, of, of like a lot of, uh, British reggae, the punk scene, the two-tone scene, the rock against racism scene. So that there's a whole Mm. long, you know, review slash, sort of feature about that. So, um, so it's sort of a, a combination of things. There's, and the, one of the, one of the great things that I was able to include too was, um, I had tried to do a couple of years ago, I tried to do this series of review of interviews, sorry, with, um, with Neil Davies from the selector and the, I was able to get to him to talk to him about two times, but both times like our Skype session sort of, you know, it would be going okay for a while, and then the it would start to deteriorate. Would it deteriorate, and the you know, uh, I don't know. Our connections would always, you know, degrade into static, and he, and he got really, he got very frustrated. I can um, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! And so I was able to get some good stuff, um, but it, we just didn't continue because you know I think he was frustrated, and and I was at that point I was thinking about doing a book on the selector, but. I was having trouble getting in touch with some of the other people like, you know, Paul, you know, I tried to get an interview with Pauline when she was here during with one of the selector concerts and she right. just didn't respond. So, but I was able to sort of resurrect that and include um, bits of it in the, in the book. Um, and there was some really interesting stuff that, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people were aware of and hadn't, hadn't been out there. So it was, it was nice to include that too. Nice. Um, so it was good. So um, and then and now actually I'm working on um, another book. I was going to bring that up. I heard a rumor that you're working on another one. Is it about what I think it might be? Like, is it about Moon or? You, you know, it, it, it initially it was going to be about Moon Records, and I was thinking about doing just sort of like a, a rev, you know reviews of every single release. Um, and then I decided that I didn't want to do that. You're kind of biased, um, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that too. I mean, and and also there was, you know, it, we, we did release a lot of stuff um, during the almost, I don't know, I was there for about nine years. We released a lot of stuff. Some of it was fantastic and some was sort of meh. And I didn't want to go through that too. But I decided to, that I really wanted to pick up something that I thought about earlier, a couple, I don't know, several years ago too. And that was doing, a, a, you know, a reviewing, um, Every one of each one of the toasters releases, um, but also building into that 
um, you know, history about the toasters, history about moon records. Um, and my, you know, and, you know, I, you know, sort of halfway through, you know, their, their existence started working with them and with moon records. So I also have some, you know, a lot of firsthand knowledge too, that I can include. Um, and, um, so that's, that's what I'm working on now. Nice. And, um, most of it will, there, you know, there, there will be a few entries that are coming from the blog, but most of it's going to be newly written. Um, since there were, people didn't complain that the Duff Guide to Two-Tone was, you know, sort of a compilation of stuff that it was already out there. Um, but there, you know, there were a couple people that were like, well, you know, it's nice to have it all in one place. And, um, so I, I want to give them something new. It's kind of like um, when Mark Marin released his, his book and it was all like just blurbs from his podcast interviews it's kind of something similar <laughs> to that but exactly and i have the book and i met him at book con for that but i was just like i'm not gonna read this i listened to all of his podcasts <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so i think for the you know for the so and I, and I think that the person who i heard that feedback from you know was a very close reader of the blog so a lot of it wasn't new but i think um you know they're definitely i've, I've gotten a lot of nice feedback from um from people who you know read it and, and had not been you know hadn't seen those reviews before so um so it, it was good but the the toasters book is um it's interesting because i i've i'm getting um some input from bucket which is good um and i'm mostly asking him about content the context for certain songs um because i'm uh i don't know i'm i'm very that's most of most of my writing uh, you know most of my music reviews are very much focused on you know what the you know what the songs are about and the context and I can yeah. never figure out what certain songs are. I usually just talk. I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> that's my that's 20 something years of doing music reviews. I'm like, I don't know what to write about anymore. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, that's it. That's a thing too. Like what, you know, um, writing about music is, is, is hard. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a totally different. I actually you know, find it easier to write about bands that I hate. Yes. Like right. it's just like you just rant on about it, but it's like especially if it's a band you love like and the album isn't as good, you're like, eh, like <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and then you yeah. try to tippy toe around things. It's just very difficult and just I don't know. That's why I don't do it as much. I'm like, I'd rather just do podcast interviews, but yeah. <laughs> lately it's just oh, not yeah. anything. Yeah. Well it's interesting because I you know, I in the beginning, I I was doing some reviews that were pretty critical, and I I got all this like it was kind of a drag. I got a lot of pushback. And they're like, "Well, they're really." You I know. know some pushback that you got, but I don't know if you wanted me to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of pushback. I got that pushback too. I mean, we can talk about it if you want to. Yeah. Um, but it, but it was interesting, and in and then I kind of decided, like, in general, I was like, you know what, sort of my if I'm not writing about it, it either means that I don't have time to write about it or maybe I don't think it's worth writing about or I don't like it. Yeah. So, so, and I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a, it's a, you know, it's a, you know, so, so it leaves me focused on, I'm writing about stuff that I think is really great. And I think that that's okay too. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, while it can be kind of, um, you know, a dark thrill to read, you know, someone tear something apart. It's, it's also kind of, you know, I know how much effort goes into, you know, you know, recording an album. Or, yeah. You know, 
whatever. And it's hard. I mean, we take that approach now with rejunk where it's like, it's mainly me and my friend Joe that are writing. Um, but it's, we kind of just focus on the music that we like and it's, it's, I've, we've done the whole troll baiting thing, Adam, especially, <laughs> Adam, especially, um, Adam, yes. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, do, well, do we want to be a satire kind of site or do we want to like, and, and just get traffic the wrong way or do we want to right. just promote? And it's like, I've come to be friends with so many bands over the last decade, honestly, from like, like photography, it's just like the Scott community is, I've grown so much with them that I don't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> so sometimes right. like, yeah, I'll just, I'll focus on, I'll promote their music and, but I don't want to write anything bad. Yeah. yeah, no, I completely, I, I, it, I, I completely understand, but also, um, it is really true. It is such a small, it's a small scene. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, you do get to know people and, um, it seems sort of particularly cruel to like, you know, tear something apart and someone, you know, I mean, it, it's, yeah. um, it's like we spent so, yeah, months and months on this and money and one is like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't good. <laughs> Try better. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So it's better. I think it's, I think it is better just not to, you know, not to write about it. I mean, so, so besides the book thing, so I mean, where did you begin as far as like your first show and like what was your kind of, as I, I seem to remember that you're pretty into new wave and eighties. So, I mean, it was that like, I mean, it still seems like your, your go-to type of music that you like these days. I'm like, what was like your first concert? Do you remember? Um, first Scott concert or just concert in general? Like, Oh, that's funny. Well, <clears throat> so, you know, I've, and I, I write about this in the introduction to the book that, um, you know, in the, in the early eighties in the New York city area, um, there was a radio station on, on Long Island uh, uh, with the call letters WLIR that played um, just, you know, an amazing mix of, of you know, new wave slash modern rock. Um, much of it um, coming from uh, England. Um, there's actually a, there's a, if, if you've ever watched that great um Dare to be different documentary. That was a good documentary. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great documentary. Um, they actually used to have someone waiting at the airport for the latest shipment of records to come in. And then they would, you know, drive, you know, race off to the to the station and start playing the record. So um, but it was a really um, you know, from from about I guess I started listening probably in around around 81 or 82. Till, till about 85 or 86 it was extraordinary and, and you just you heard just some of the best the best new wave music around um and of course in that mix was uh, a fair amount of scott like the two-tone stuff was was all in there uh the untouchables were played fishbone was played um so there was a you know and i and i i mean I don't know if I remember it correctly, but maybe even the toasters were played at one point too. Um, but you know, it was it was really incredible, and it turned me on to some some of the you know most incredible bands. Um, and but at that point, it was still sort of you know part of that for me at least. It was still part of that mix of you know there are all these different genres of uh, sort of like underground genres of music that were sort of like stuffed into um, 
the you know in you know into the new wave category because if you look at it you had like you know you had goth and you had you know um you had kraut rock you had, you know like and you'd have early hip hop and you had you know um you know all kinds of stuff you had uh, rockabilly i mean it was weird it was pretty much like everything that wasn't on mainstream or top 40 radio was sort of like you know if it was slightly left of center it was you know put into that category and there was a lot of really good music in there yeah and i kind of um became aware of uh the toasters 12 inch record the you know the one that became it was first released as the toasters and then became known as recriminations in a repressing and um i can't remember if i picked it up or my brother picked it up um it might have been my brother because he was always a little bit of ahead of the curve <laughs> than i was um but anyway so i remember listening to it and um being really sort of like i don't know dumbstruck's not the word but it sort of like put off a little bit at first because i was like you know this is ska music but it's not like it doesn't sound anything like two-tone um but then the more i listened to it the more i was like wow this is you know this is this is pretty great um and then had you know picked up the new york beat um uh, compilation that came out uh in like 86 and that had you know like the toasters and second step and beat brigade and and the a kings and uh, the boilers and all these sort of like you know you know new york city ska bands um at the time i didn't know it but they were like mostly high school bands um and you know it was pretty amazing and um then you know you know so it was sort of on my radar and i was still not fully you know fully like a, a, a total ska freak um but then um like a, a year or two later um started to you know like i i started to like pick up more stuff that was going on in moon records and heard the um you know picked up um the citizen new york citizens um on the move uh record and picked up there was like uh, an incredible uh, compilation the first uh u.s compilation of ska bands uh that was ska face it was also on moon records and then the toasters had you know in 87 the toasters had released kaboom which was incredible um and really enjoyed it and then they released thrill me up a few years later which were just which is you know the peak of sort of that era band of that era of the toasters and so and also that sort of around that time started to go to shows and the toasters were like unbelievable like the the skaboom slash thrill me up era toasters um was you know incredible live um i can only imagine i mean like seeing that the first time i saw toasters it was i think cooley just left so i, I just missed them by like a couple months and then it was jack oh. ruby but I was like, where's Cooley? But it was just like, the, that was like one of my first ska shows. And it was just like awe-inspiring. Like, what is this? Everyone's bouncing around, dancing all weird and <laughs> dressing up in plaid and checkerboard. And like, what the hell's going on? Because <laughs> I was like yeah. a punk metal kid and just getting into reggae too. So it was like a bound to happen to be a ska kid. But it made, so many, was that the same kind of experience with you with, going to oh. a ska show like like what's going on what is this um, yeah it was unbelievable yeah and it really was like um some of the some of those toaster shows i saw in the late 80s were like the the best like the best concerts i've ever seen i mean the the energy and just they were so entertaining and so tight 
Um, and the energy, you know, it, it was just off the charts good. Um, so I was, you know, that hooked me. And then, you know, I started to, uh, I guess it was like an 88 or 80, no, it was 89 maybe, then saw uh, a show uh, at the Pyramid with um, the New York Citizens and the Scofflaws that again was like mind blowing. Um, and um, the funny thing about that show too was my, you know, my friend and I from college, um, you know, walk in there and it was like, all skinheads and us that was it it was all skinheads and it was a great show i mean it was fantastic but we didn't make we you shave your head or we, anything no we didn't do that um but like we stayed in the back because we we're like this looks a little this looks a little that uh, was kind of similar like i didn't like know about the whole skinhead culture and stuff with scossing and then like we're, we were waiting online we're like what the fuck and like seeing skinheads walking in online we're like like oh no and we had someone that's my my older brother's like ex-girlfriend was like jewish so she's like oh my it's like she was like scared because she didn't know like that you know there's not racist skinheads you know right, right. so it's but thankfully it was it worked out but i was like my first experience i'm like what is this go I'm like this is usually just like a maury povich or something <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, that was, you know, and that was, that was sort of a, there was definitely a, a, um, there was an edge to a lot of the shows around that time. Um, and there certainly, you know, there certainly were anti-racist skinheads, but there were definitely, yeah, there were definitely boneheads mixed in, in the crowd. So it was, it was always a little, I was, you know, I loved the music and loved going to see the shows, but it was always a little like, I don't know, there was an, there was an element of danger in the air. Um, but again, was always fine. Um, but the other interesting thing about that time too was like in the, um, you know, in in the in the '80s in New York City, um, particularly like in the probably like from '82 till about oh gosh, I would say like '80, definitely '86, '87. Um, the hardcore scene and the ska scene, like there was a weird overlap. Um, and so like a Gnostic um, front and toasters playing similar shows. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was sort of, you know, and, and at the time, like, you know, there would be, um, there'd be a ska matinee on, you know, one day of the weekend. And then there'd be a hard, there were always hardcore matinees on Sunday afternoons at CBs, uh, for a time. And it was a weird, there was definitely sort of this weird overlap. Um, and what's interesting is that, um, you know, that went back to, you know, the, the to the very beginning with the, with the toasters because the, um, their first, um, rehearsal space, um, happened to be, um, the same place that a lot of, I think like it was like bad brains and cro and, um, who else? A couple of the other hardcore bands too. They, they all, that was, they all sort of shared Girl the biscuits, same. Madball, um, and it was real Definitely Chromags, um, maybe Agnostic Front. I, well, it's in my it'll it's in my new book coming out. Um, <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the book. It's in the yeah, book. but it but it's really interesting. So there was there was already sort of like all the you know the musicians knew each other, um, and also there weren't that many places to play. There were some places along Avenue A, and then there were CBs. Um, so there was definitely you know it was um, everything was at close quarters. So. Um, uh, an interesting uh, overlap. Um, but it was really, um, you know, it was exciting. The late 80s scene in, in New York was really exciting. 
uh, and uh, fantastic. And it sort of culminated with the uh, that New York City Ska Live uh, show where the, the I think you know, I've seen great... footage of it. Is it like was that really... no no no? There's no different. There was supposed to be footage of it. Oh, okay. um, I'm thinking yeah, of something different. To... But there was a but there was a great live album that came out of it, uh, New York City Sky Live, that has uh, Toasters, Citizens, Scofflaws, uh, Bigger Thomas, um, The Steadies, um, and gosh, I'm gonna forget somebody, and they're gonna maybe Skinner, yeah, Skinner Box maybe, um, and I'm sure. Um, well, actually, I have it right here. Let me just pull this little <laughs> bad boy out. Um, yeah, Toasters, Citizens, Scofflaws, Skinner Box, Good Anks. Uh, uh, Steadies and Bigger Thomas, um, and it was great. It was, it was a great. I was actually at the at the show where they recorded it. Nice. Um, but then, sort of after that, is when there was like a, you know, that was sort of the peak. But then everything sort of fall, fell out for a while um, until the Toasters um, started sort of rebuilding things in the early nineties. Um, so, like, what what got you to the point where it's like I want to be involved in the scene and I want to be like and how did like Moon Records and you in your time with that how did that all like come to fruition <laughs> yeah it, it's it's sort of it's one of those interesting things like I started um actually when I was still in college started reviewing uh some of the records for um for the for our college paper and um so I reviewed the uh the citizens on the move um, and, uh, Scarface and, um, also the, like, uh, the untouchables, uh, agent double all came out around the same time. Um, so I started doing, you know, reviewing those. And actually the reason I ended up going to that, uh, citizens scofflaws show at the pyramid was that the guitarist from the band, uh, was going to, uh, I was an undergraduate at the time, but he was going to Fordham law and picked up the, 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 Lincoln Center, Fordham's Lincoln Center newspaper and saw the review and then got in touch with me and said, hey, you know, we're, we're having the show. Come see it. Um, so I was writing for the, you know, while I was in school, I was writing, you know, reviews of, of ska stuff and then um, also started writing for, um, you know, I, at the time I was um, there was this, you know, in the late 80s, there was this amazing um, uh I mean, Zine is almost selling it short, but it, because it had like a, it was bound and it had, you know, a glossy cover, but it was a, so a zine. nice zine. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a, yeah. So it was sort of magazine. It was more on the zine side, but it was really well done. And the, and, um, the coverage was amazing, but it was George Marshall's, uh, Zoot, uh, ska zine, And he was out of Scotland and, uh, he actually had someone here distributing it in the United States and I would pick it up and it had, you know, in the late eighties in England, um, the scene was on fire. You had like, you know, you had Laura Lakin and you had the potato five and the riffs and the hot knives. And are there just, any uh, Scotland bands though? <laughs> Scott bands? Um, there are now, um, there are a couple of bands now, like the, uh, Afetaminis or, and which are now, well, some of them are in rude, uh, uh, rude beard, but there, there actually was a, I, a couple of years ago, I reviewed like a Scottish ska, compilation that was actually very good um but at the time back then i don't think there were um so anyway so you know i was reading you know all this stuff and was seeing they also had listings of other other zines that were happening and there was one that was out of california called uh roughneck business 
Um, so I sent away for a copy and when I got my copy in the mail, the, the guy who put it together had written like, you know, Hey, you know, if you want to write like any show reviews from what's going on, cause he was, you know, he was in like Bakersfield and he was like, Oh, if you, you know, you want to write anything about what's going on in New York, just send it to me. So I did. So I started writing, um, show reviews. Um, and I, I caught like this great show that the scofflaws did and in it had written um, that they were the best band in New York City. And, and at the time they were, because uh, the Toasters were going through kind of a rough, This like the Unity 2 had left and they were sort of like in this weird, there was a weird transition period for the band um, around the time of this gun for hire. Um, so I, you know, so I wrote this review, sent it off, got published. And when Bucket was out touring in California, picked up a copy, read it, um and i think was definitely sort of you know he, not thrilled to see that i was not saying the toasters were not the best but he so he wrote me a letter um and at the time also i'd been you know doing mail order with with moon records so um you know i guess he you know put two and two together um and then you know at the time and i think i'd ordered like this this was right around the time when um let's go bowling's music to bowl by was released and then scofflaw's uh first uh amazing first record uh, was released and so he wrote me a letter saying hey i need someone to to help me with promotions um you know i i, I can't really pay you much but i can you know you'll get all the you know all the t-shirts and I'll put you on Ben, you know, on the guest list for shows. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, sure. So, um, I met him, um, uh, just before, you know, the, he was about to go on tour with a band and, and, you know, met him in his, met him in his van off Madison square park. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then he basically handed me a, a box of, of cassettes to send out his promos. And then he had a very sort of, minimal one page promo list. Um, and so he was like, you know, have at it. And, you know, I just sort of, you know, took it from there and, and just, you know, I had, you know, at that point I had a job, so I was doing this, you know, at night and on weekends and sort of just gradually built things up, um, to the point where, you know, several years later I was doing it full time and, and, uh, even getting health insurance and it was a legitimate wow, thing. Yeah. So, but it was really sort of that, you know, it, what was crazy. It was just sort of like, you know, you know, you know, I, I, you know, not to be grandiose about it, but sort of created this opportunity by, you know, deciding like, oh yeah, I'm going to write for this Scozine and, and do some reviews. And, um, I'm still waiting oh, for I that job I, offer. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think around that same time too, I'd written, I think I, at the same time, I'd also written Bucket and said, like, you know, I see, you know, they're at the time they were doing these great London International Ska Festivals. Um, and I was like, why don't we do one here? Can you put one on here and have, a, you know, I was like, I, I, can't, I can't fly over to England to see these amazing bands. Why don't, you know, can you put something on here? So, um, so it was sort of that, like, you know, you know, eager fan and definitely involved and, and wanting to, you know, see good things happen. Um, um, but it was really sort of that, you know, you know, sort of like, Hey, you know, let's put on a show. <laughs> so, I mean, were you eventually in charge of like putting on all the, the Scott showcases at wetlands and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's, it, no, well, event, basically my, my job evolved into, 
you know, it was always, you know, focused on promoting whatever the, the latest release was and sort of, you know, putting together the, for most of the time, not all the time there, but for about half the time I was there, I, I would put together this Gazette, which was, you know, I love the, those. Yeah. the newsletter. Yeah. So, which was really vital again, you know, particularly in the pre-internet and then sort of early internet era, you know, it was so hard to come by information. So it was, you know, so we were not only, you know, putting out, you know, you know, in each gazette, we would have here are the latest releases, you know, here are the bands that are going on tour. And then we'd have like news. And then we'd even have information about other, you know, other, you know, non moon records bands, what they were doing and interesting stuff in the ska world. Um, so I was doing that, but I was also um, in charge of all of the, um, production of all the albums so i would be working um if the band you know if we were putting together a release and the band uh didn't have a graphic designer to put together their album i would i knew a bunch of graphic designers and would put them together and and do that or sometimes the band you know would come already with their you know their artwork already taken care of um but then i was i was you know i would be sort of the the person to shepherd the artwork and the master through, you know, get it down to our pricing plant, get all of the, you know, you know, get all the proofs, you know, back from them, get the approvals from the band, et cetera, et cetera. So I was sort of in charge of, I was, I'm not sort of, I was in charge of all that. Um, and I would put together the one sheets for each of the releases, which was like all the selling points, uh, and things we were going to do to promote each album. And those would be sent out to record stores and, you know, chains and distributors, et cetera, to help uh, sell each release. Um, and then I also um, would put, you know, I put together, I think in my time there, I put together something like nine compilations. Um, like, compilations. <laughs> uh, like a lot of the, yeah, like a lot of the Skarmageddon's. Um, and, uh, yeah. My favorite one was Sky United, but that was sort of towards the, that was in the, at the end, um, it, that came out in like, I think late 98 when things were already sort of crumbling, headed, down. headed downward. Um, and then I also did things like, you know, I would, I would help, you know, we, we actually ended up licensing um, a lot of our stuff to uh, what we considered to be like sister labels. Um, we had, for a time we were working with a label in, uh, in Japan. So we had, uh, you know, Moon Scott Tokyo, and then we were releasing things, uh, down in Brazil. Um, and then we, you know, and then we often would release things through, um, like pork pie or, um, Stomp, right? And didn't you guys, didn't you guys work with Stomp a little bit? We might've done something. Yeah, we might've. Yeah. So, you know, so, so, you know, dealing with the licensing with that, I would, take care of a lot of that stuff so um but i didn't i i didn't end up doing a lot of the um like i I didn't do anything with the store and i didn't do anything with mail order um and actually a lot of the showcases um noah would take care of so i actually ended up there was one that i ended up um that was part of like the the new music seminar um is that right? Yeah, new music seminar that I put together that we put together a showcase for that, and Noah was out of town, so I had to MC it. And um, I always remember uh, Chris Zahn, who was the booker there, like making fun of me because I was like, because Noah would like when he would introduce each band, he'd be like, "Yeah, put it together for you know, like you know, super like I'm on yeah, a cup of coffee," and I was like, Mister like late night DJ, like. 
and, and here's <laughs> exactly so, um it was pretty funny and i was like you know i'm was sort of half terrified doing it too but it was it was fun and it was a good night um but the great thing about moon was um you know it, a lot of what i did and you know over the years was um you know bucket was not you know he was on the road like you know two you know two-thirds of the year you know but calling in and you know we would you know talk frequently about stuff but you know i was not being micromanaged there was not a set plan for everything so it was really cool to sort of like you know we figured out you know somewhat by trial and error about how to do things but it was um but that's what was kind of cool about it um and we could be sort of you know you know innovative and you know wacky at times um and um I, one of the one of the things i really enjoyed too was you know we were always being pitched things um and it was sort of like and so and some of them were like you know like you know that sounds kind of crazy but you know we'll see you know tell us more and we'll see where it goes um but there were but there were times where those those things really panned out in a weird way and it was you know you always had to be kind of like open to like everything because you so never what knew. was the craziest pitch <laughs> Well, one of them was the one of them was the, um, and it was, and it was at the time it was not a huge thing, but it led to so many other things that it was, uh, it, it was it would have been terrible if we had said no, and and that was doing that Bizarro uh, USA up all night um, New Year's Eve party that we did in uh, nineteen ninety two, and it was a weird thing because they were like, okay, you know, we're gonna rent out the Palladium. And, you know, we want uh, the toasters are going to be one side of the stage and the scofflaws from the other side of the stage. And you're each going to play. We're going to do like all the we're going to do. I forget how many it was. It was like 20 segments or more. And each band's going to play a song for a minute. And then the other bands, you know, the, the scofflaws are going to play, you know, a song for a minute. Then we're going to switch to the toasters and they're going to play for a song for a minute. And then we're going to go up to uh, Gilbert Gottfried and and. Uh, what was her name? Rhonda Shear. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're going to do this, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30 times. And we're going to have all these kids, all these Scott kids dancing in between the bands. And so we're like, okay. And, you know, so I like. You can see this on YouTube, by the way. Everyone. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it ended up being kind of a weird thing. But, we, you know, it took, we, you know, we, we taped it like in, in October or November, just one day. I like corralled like a whole bunch of people to come all dressed up and, you know, in their scoff finery. And, you know, it was kind of fun to do and it was kind of weird. And then, you know, it ended up being on, uh, you know, that it was New Year's Eve, 1992, I think. Yeah. 92. And, uh, and it, you know, and all these little segments were shown um, in uh, shown in between um, uh that night there was showing like the three Porky's movies. And so we were the little bumpers in between uh, the movie and the commercials, commercial breaks. What a combo. And, and it was kind of like, <laughs> you know, kind of weird. And we're, and it was on basic cable and we're like, okay. So um, I'm surprised I never you know, so I watched that, it. It was kind of, you know, it was done very well. Like they did a really incredible job, but I tell you for like months later, I had like, they were like, there were kids calling me up from all over the United States who had seen it. Like everyone saw it, like everyone across the United States who was into ska music at that point saw it. And, um, you know, so it, it was weird. Like 
the reach of it was really weird. And, um, and we could tell that like, I don't know, it gave us a sense that like something was starting to happen and that maybe things were building up, um, you know, more than we had expected. And then um, just a, f- a few months after that um, is when we had um, the Scalapalooza show at the new Ritz, which was the old Studio 54. And, um, you know, sort of that show had come together kind of out of, you know, that, you know, we'd had this weird, you know, USA up all night, New Year's Eve party. And, um, and so uh, Larry Gold, who is the promoter at, at uh, SOBs, uh, and then another two people in this other, in New Frontier, and I forget their names, and I'm sorry, in another, uh, you know, production company put together this, this big show, and it was like Bad Manners, and the Scofflaws, and the Toasters, and uh, the Skunks, and um, gosh, who else? Were those catalytes there? I can't remember. Anyway, I so there, but I, maybe, yeah, I think before, it was right before my time. Yeah, but I think it was catalytes. And so I remember, you know, coming, you know, entering the 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 the, the stage entrance, the backstage entrance, and immediately seeing Buster Blood Vessel, and so I talked to him for a while, and then I went out and peeked out to see, you know, to see what was going on, and the place was packed. It was like twenty five hundred, you know, sold out twenty five hundred people. And it was incredible. I mean, it was a huge success. And then that led uh, Larry Gold and Bucket to put together this Kavuvi tour um, with the special, it was like Special Beat, The Selector, The Toasters, and Scofflaws again, I think. Am I right? I can't remember. I, I'd have to look it up. Um, anyway, it was this amazing uh, Ska package tour um, that they then sent out and did incredibly well. Um, I, gosh, I looked it up, you know, it, 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 it did so well that it, it, it was like ranking in um, the, uh, the touring industry publication Polestar. It, it was ranking very, it was like their spotlight um, tour. It was pulling in really good numbers. And in doing that, you know, they were, you know, as they were going across America, they were also having local opening bands. So Bucket is like, you know, meeting and finding all these, you know, this new crop of ska bands around the country and realizing like, holy, you know, holy crap. We, like it's, it's, you know, there's, you know, the underground is really starting to bubble up. Um, but, it, you know, but it was, it was, uh, you know, it was really extraordinary. And then it led, you know, there was a, just an explosion of things going on by the, the middle of the, of the nineties, but it really did start by saying yes to that crazy USA. That's, yeah. That's, show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's nuts, but yeah. you really can trace this, you know, this line through all of them. Um, and then, and then the finale is Carson Daly dressed up as. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what's hilarious? I, you know, I miss it at the time, so I didn't. I, like for whatever reason, I, I heard about it after the fact, um, and you know, didn't know anyone who had taped it. And I only saw it um, actually. I think it was like last year, and I was horrified by how bad it was. Like I didn't realize how bad it was. It was so bad. Yeah, I remember um, watching it live. I was like, and oh. embarrassing. I mean, it was like, no, you. It was like, no, 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 no. Um, but having said that, they showed the uh, toasters video I made, so I was like, well, I got, I got, I got mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I used to, I used to stay up. And or a tape like 120 minutes to see like the yeah. toasters debut and all right. the other ska yes. videos and stuff. It was just, it was just a crazy time when I just like got into ska and then seeing all the, and then I guess did 
Yeah, did Moonscar release like a VHS tape with all the yes. this music music videos? Yeah. yeah, we had. Yeah, we had. A, it was called the Real Scar Real. Yeah, right. And and it was good. It was it was great. It was a great collection. And and some of them, you know, what was, what was terrific about it was like that. Some of them, you know, we had we had paid and and produced. Um, but then there were other so several other bands that made them on their own, and you know, so we were able to include them. Um, and it was it was really it was amazing. And and you know. For as much as I, you know, kind of hate MTV, I was really pleasantly surprised how they, you know, sort of embraced a lot of the stuff that we were doing that was, you know, low budget and, you know, by no means anywhere near on par what, you know, the major labels were, you know, pumping into these, you know, productions. Um, but it was, really, anyway. it was really kind of amazing. Pardon me? <laughs> like, not yet anyway with, with Scott yeah. videos. <laughs> well, yeah. Exactly. But I mean, I mean, the video I made, uh, you know, for the for two tone army like that, that video cost in total cost me to, to make it was twenty five hundred dollars. And we got so much mileage out of that. Um, now, having said that, um, the toasters hated it when I showed it to them because um, they they, you know, it was too like low budget and. And was it mostly like it was like cuts of one guy dancing and then cuts of like um like a of the band playing live I guess in black yeah. and white and that was pretty much yeah. it. Yeah, because and they had what was it, what was what was kind of ironic was that um you know I you know I wrote up a proposal for Bucket um and you know, and it was so cheap and he was just like, okay, just, you know, give it a try. <laughs> but there was like very little cooperation. <laughs> they were like, they were like, you know, okay, shoot, you know, do whatever you have to do, but we're not going to like do something like specific for you. So I shot like all the live footage at a show at FIT and um, the scenes of the the guy dancing um, in front, right next to the record player. It's in the living room of my current apartment, my my still current apartment, um, you know, and it was, and then, you know, I shot a little bit of footage. They were doing like a, a, a photo shoot right by the um, old moon store on East second street. So I like shot a little of that just since they were there. Um, and then I put it, you know, I put it together and, you know, sort of created a little, you know, you know, a thing um, that, ended up getting a lot of a lot of mileage and um like you said it premiered on 120 minutes and and then was on m you know the the sister labeled mtv the the alternative label m2 or i'm sorry not label uh, uh channel yeah station um, m2, yeah and then the toasters actually then they they ended up using several of the toasters songs for um like uh as theme music for some of the game shows so they used it for like singled out Right. And um, another there was another game show, too. And then the Toasters also then got the um, they wrote some songs for the for Nickelodeon's Kablam. Um, and so, you know, a lot of things. Again, it was sort of that like bucket saying yes to, you know, my like super like I shot everything on Super 8. It was like low budget. And, you know, him saying, you know, him sort of entertaining, you know, my flight of fancy and you know, it led to a lot of stuff and they got a lot of mileage out of it. Mm. Um, so, you know, you know, having said that, then there were lots of things that didn't go anywhere. So, <laughs> but you know, when things hit, you know, they hit well. So that was sort of that weird, you know, you had to sort of, you know, 
play the odds and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of music videos for Moon, like Rigetti 69 yes. and Scavuvi, which like yeah. some of those albums aren't on Spotify, but I know Spotify is the devil too. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I just remember all those music videos. It was great. Um, so, I mean, after, after Moon, you did your own digital label, right? So, yeah. I mean, you did yeah. Seven Wonders. And yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. It was interesting. It, uh, I did. Um, uh, you know, so as as Moon was was clearly, um, you know, and it, by by ninety eight ninety nine, you know, we knew things were going not going well, and and there was a, a, a huge contraction in everything, and um, you know, the writing was on the wall, um, and. Um, I think one of the sort of like shocking things for us was seeing uh, or not seeing, but realizing that, um, you know, we had done a very good job of, of, you know, promoting our records and getting the word out about our, our label and our releases and um, our distributors um, had done a fantastic job about getting our music out there. I mean, you could, you know, by the sort of like by 96, 97, you could go into like, almost any chain and almost any independent record store in the U S and you could find some of our releases, um, which was incredible. Um, but, um, as you know, as good as our promotions were and as, and as great as our, our, um, distribution was, uh, the sales were never there. They never really materialized. Um, I mean, they were good they were definitely healthy for an independent label, but they were not, um, they were not, matching anywhere near what these orders we were getting for our product. Um, and, you know, there was a backlash uh, against ska music in the, in, you know, 98, 99, no where every, yeah, everything went, you know, swing is the new thing, ska is out. And, you know, there were like really sort of nasty pieces about it in, in, in uh, you know, big publications like Billboard and, and, we're now covering Sky again, thinking it's the latest thing that exactly oh, it's back. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk all about that, but I don't know if we'll get enough to get well, time. To- well, we can do well, we can do another we can do another session. I'm I'm happy to talk about that at, at length too. And, and all your, I definitely want to answer all your questions, so we can have another. We can do a part two. Um, so you know, definitely was seeing that, and, and also at the same time, you had the rise of. Um, file sharing was starting, mm. though Napster wasn't yet in full effect. But, you know, there were, uh, I don't know if you remember, there were like companies like eMusic um, that were starting to try to license. They were actually, they had tried to license stuff for Moon. Right. Um, so you could so you could see definitely there was like, there was starting to be this, um, you know, market and interest in, um, you know, MP3s. And um, at the time, there were there were the the first sort of primitive uh, MP3 players were being released, um, and I, I I'm blanking on the names of them, but they were you know it was starting to be a thing, and I thought it was kind of brilliant because I was like oh you know you know people you know can you know sample the music and then buy it and you know labels don't have to how they don't have to worry about, you know, and particularly learning everything that was starting, you know, that was all, you know, as the, the sky was caving in at moon records, you know, all the problems I was like, Oh, so if we go digital, we don't have to worry about production and distribution and returns and, you know, all this terrible stuff. 
and our reach can be worldwide. So, um, you know, so after I left Moon, I was, you know, I was like, why don't, why don't I give this a try? And one of the people um, who I, you know, been one of actually was one of our interns at Moon Records um, for a few years be before that was uh, um, incredibly smart. And, you know, I, I'd been talking to her for a while about stuff and, um, you know, running things by her. And she was like, yeah, I could do that. And she'd been, I, that's right. She'd been helping she'd been helping us at moon with our very primitive website. Um, I was helping with that very primitive website. Adam brought me in <laughs> towards the yeah, end. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was really, it was primitive, but you know, but she knew a lot of stuff. And so, um, I was able to, to, um, you know, she was able, you know, I was, I, you know, I said, I want to do this and can you figure, you know, can you figure out the technical side of, of doing all this? And she did. And, you know, she, she put together, um, and at the time it was really hard because you had to, um, you know, you had to, to, to host a website, you actually had to go to a service provider and deal with them. And, um, it was very, it was much, it was much more difficult than anything is now. You can't, you know, you can't just go to Wix and put something together. Um, so we had to get a host and we had to figure out how we were going to handle the, the, the commerce side of things and make that work. Um, and how people were going to download the files once they bought them. And she figured this all out. And so while she was doing that, I was, you know, making this pitch to all of these, you know, people I knew in the, in the, in the ska world and, you know, pitching, you know, and, you know, trying to, you know, well, again, one of the other things I had learned too was like, you know what, for this to work, um, you know, and since it's such a, a new, you know, a new format and not very tested and well understood and, and, you know, widespread. Um, so I, you know, I, I made some, you know, I made sure that the deal I was doing with the bands was, was easy, easy to say yes to. So, you know, it was non-exclusive, you know, they could, you know, I, I you know, I, they could use, you know, take the same song and, and, you know, print up CDs or records or whatever. Um, and then also the, the, um, the deal I did with them was for each sale, um, each time they sold either a, a single, a single song or an album, it was split 50, 50. Like that was it. Like my expenses came out of my end. So, so, if, you know, I, I forget we were, I mean, it sounds you know, like a good eye, a good idea. Why didn't it succeed? <laughs> well, it was too early. I mean, and, and to be honest, we, I did end up selling, you know, I, I think I had it running for about almost two years, um, but it was expensive to run and the sale, you know, the sales, it was just too early. Like yeah. there weren't enough people that were adopting to it. And also the ska, the ska market had like crumbled. Um, so, so it was a weird time to do it, but it worked and we did, you know, I, I did sell, you know, singles and I sold albums and actually wrote um, royalty checks to, you know, the bands that were selling. And I ended up, I think I ended up signing about 20 acts, um, both here in the U S and then there were some in, in Europe and I think somebody in South America. Um, so it, it worked. Um, the only problem was that I wasn't, you know, I couldn't, you know, it wasn't big enough. It wasn't shiny enough, uh, to get, uh, you know, any other kind of funding. And so I ended up having to fold it. Um, but it was, it, it was an experiment that worked 
And um, I actually, you know, was doing this, um, I think it was like a, I was doing it a couple years before the iTunes store opened. So you were a like, pioneer, but you know. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, no, and it was, and it was, you know, it was great and I have no regrets. Um, I just wish I had had more money, but I don't know, yeah. but maybe that would have been just throwing more, you know, good money after so, I mean, what kind of, I, I can't remember what the bands were that you had or what, was it just singles? Was it albums or was it? Yeah, had, had a couple albums. Um, I was working with, um, I had a few, um, gosh, what we, I'd have to look it up. It's been so long. I, some were singles. Um, I had, I had an album that, Buford did called the sexy eye. Um, I had some Victor Rice tracks. Um, I had some music from Dr. Ringding. And um, also at the time he was uh, collaborating with this German producer called HP Setter. And they did some amazing stuff. Um, and I had a couple albums there from them. And then, um, gosh, who else did I have? I tried to get Laura Lakin. I got, I like, I, I was like, I was calling him like every like month or so, but he just, he, he wanted, he wanted something, you know, yeah. he was only interested in putting out physical product, which I totally got it. Yeah. And it was just nice to have an excuse to talk to him. Um, <laughs> and, um, um, and I think I had some stuff from like Orange Street and I think King Django and um, gosh, who was it? Rick Faulkner, we did some stuff that was more on the, like, I think it was like Latin jazz. Is any of this um, stuff available? It, like, can people find it anywhere now or is it um, everything? Or is it? No, it's all, it, yeah, it's all long gone. I did. Um, if you actually, if you, if you search for it on it, you can see some of the pages. There's like a, I don't know if it's archive.org. It's on the way back machine. Yeah. The way back. Yeah. yeah there are a couple of pages still up you could see from there uh, to give you a taste of it. Um, a lot of the music, you know, the music I don't, you know, we took everything down and, you know, we were just licensing anyway. So, um, but I'm like wondering if I, you should like resurface so. this and put it on Bandcamp. Yeah, maybe that's, I, you know, I will look into that. Um, that's actually a really good idea. Do um, donations or something. Or like, yeah. Yeah. Start bringing I would it love back. to do that actually. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, you have yeah. a certain set of style of ska that you like that I think that is something that you should probably look into again since ska is big again, apparently. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that you can showcase bands that you think people need to hear. Even like Jump Up, did like they just did a free sampler on Bandcamp. So, I mean, I think you yeah. should get back at it. One week later. I wanted, to, I wanted to get back into the moon stuff. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, so you did a lot of the promotional, you did, so you didn't really handle any of like picking out the bands for the, like showcases or anything like that, or for CMJ or. Um, well, I mean, the, the one thing we did, um, I mean, one year we actually, I remember if it was, it was probably nine, it was either 95 or 96. We actually, we actually, uh, had a booth at CMJ, um, and you know, gave out tons of, of free stuff to all these, you know, college DJs that stopped by. Um, and that was, and that was actually the same year we had a, a really good showcase at wetlands. Um, and I think it was also the same year when, um, I was actually hosting the showcase, oh, wow. um, which was unusual. So I think that was all the same year if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. So it was either like, it was like probably 96. 
Um, but it might have been 95. Um, but it was terrific. It was really good. So, I mean, like, what was, if they had to go back to, like, the Wetlands was definitely, like, the prime spot for me for ska shows and all those moon showcases and shows. Like, was there any particular show that stood out that was, like, like, wow, we pulled this off kind of thing and this was a great, of, like, moon bands? I know, like, the Laurel Aiken one, I came back for, from, like, I was at Long Beach Island. I'm like, we're going to go see the Porkers and Laurel Aiken. that, That one was a highlight for me. Yeah, I, I would probably have to agree. I mean, uh, Laura Lincoln just Laura Lincoln was was just incredible, and he was um, such a nice person to work with, and so talented, and just you know, it was amazing to know him off stage and then see him go up on stage and just turn it on, and you know, what an entertainer, and just like just so good and so talented. Um, but then off, then off stage, just really, you know, I, I remember, um, I think it, it must've been just before he did the in-store at, at Moon Records. I was walking around the neighborhood with him and I guess we were getting something to eat or something. And it was just sort of like, I was like hanging out with my grandfather. I mean, it was like, he was so this like, I mean, like, that's how it felt watching him. It was like, yeah, oh, look at his exactly. grandfather just rocking out and dancing and stuff. Yeah. I mean, he was just so, um, just so you know, funny and kind and gentle and um, just a real pleasure. And, you know, that, that was always sort of the, the, you know, one of the, one of the hard truths, you know, when you're, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of different bands and artists, um, they may be amazing and, and, you know, create, you know, your favorite music. Or they can be fucking assholes. And I've, yeah, sometimes you meet them and it's terrible. And it's actually, you know, and, you know, I've, I've, I think it's hard. It was, it was much harder when I was at Moon because I was just like, I was younger and I was, you know, just, um, you know, not as jaded as I am now. Or I don't even think that's the right word. I think now I'm just sort of more accepting that it's just, sometimes that's how it is but back then it, it really kind of it hurt to to encounter people that you really looked up to and it and and admired and you loved their art and they were just not nice and it was just it was just disappointing um so there actually have been times when i've had chances you know to really interact with um you know musicians in the ska world and 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 not in the ska world and i haven't done it because like I'm worried about that. Like it's, yeah. you know, you don't want to, you don't want to meet your idols because their yeah. feet are made of clay. So um, I've had my, yeah, run in with doing before the concert and, and then this as well, of like trying to record a session before the show and one band that was in the ska punk genre. I won't name who it is, but yeah. I think he was just on an off night and he's like, look, we just got, we just got here. I need to find fucking food. So he was like, just like hangry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I won't name who it is, but it like, yeah. it, it kind of turns you off listening to music for a while. But I'm like, yeah, it's just in a bad mood. It's, right. I get he's it. having, yeah. He's having a bad night. Um, yeah. But there's some people that are, that's not the case. It's just who they are. Yeah. So, um, but you know, you know, they're all world people, so some good, some bad. I mean, so for Moon, were you there the entire time, or did you leave beforehand? I was there um, through um, April '99 is when I left, and 
even in 98, we like we could tell things we, we could tell there was a downturn coming and, um, you know, and actually had meetings about it, you know, you know, you know, coming coming up with ideas about what, you know, how we should address this and, and you know, hopefully survive it. Um, and um, it was rough. I mean, there, you know, there were a lot of, um, you know, everyone involved had put a lot into it and it was really hard to um, reconcile with, with dealing with, you know, outside forces that, you know, had, had our fate in their hands, so to speak. And, um, you know, so I, I wish we had done more in 98 to sort of cut back and try to weather the storm. Um, But once we got into, once we got in 99, it was just the, the writing was on the wall. I mean, and um, because I, you know, I earlier that earlier that year, I had to like, I had to, I had um, someone who worked with me, and I had to lay her off, and like my promotions budget was cut completely, um, which was particularly hard because when the Porkers came over, um, and we had just released um, hot, I guess we had just released hot dog daiquiri. And they were, and they were going, oh, that sort of was, they were going on the, on warp tour mm-hmm. and um, I'm talking to Pete and he's like, okay, what are you going to, you know, what, what are you going to, how are you going to help us? You know, what are you going to do? And I was sort of like, well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you see, things are not going so well. So it was really, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking um, just to see what was going on. But towards the end, I mean, the last couple of months, you know, I was, you know, not, one of the really sort of awful thing was um, in the in the East Tenth Street store. Uh, you know, we had it was it was very it was a deep it was you know it went back very far. So we had the, the front half of it was the storefront and all our display cases and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then in the back, um, that's that's where we had the offices. So we had a we had a storage room back there with with lots of extra. Uh, product. Um, I worked out of there and had all my, you know, all my promo stuff back there. Um, and by that point, um, you know, just before I left, basically that whole back room, which was uh, the same size as the, as the front, um, part of the store, which was pretty big, uh, was filled with returns, boxes and boxes of return CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, it was brutal. Um, so, you know, I, and at the end, I was just like, why, I, you know, I'm clearly things are, you know, he, you know, headed south very quickly. And I'm like, I'm still drawing a salary and really not doing anything. So I just, um, you know, I found yeah. another job and, and left and I felt, you know, I felt terrible because, you know, on one hand, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm leaving something that, um, you know, I, I believed in so fully and you know had been doing for most of the 90s and kind of couldn't imagine doing anything else um but at the same time it's like i I, i'm not doing anything and i'm just you know i'm sucking money out of something that needs as much money as it can keep um so i left and i and it was weird and the day the (laughs) the exact day i left um was when um they figured out uh, that Noah had had his hand in the till, like literally my last day, um, they were, they were going through his computer and, and, you know, 
finally reconciling, you know, what had been deposited in the bank versus the, you know, the product that had been sent in the store to, you know, into the store to, to sell. Um, and they figured out that there was a lot of money missing and it was just, it was, and there was just something so just uh, extra tragic, tragic about it. It was, you know, like, you know, it was like they being kicked when they were like already down. It was such a surprise news though, when it happened though, even it's like, even though with all file file sharing and then I guess I guess Bucket recently said on uh, John Bravo's podcast that it was more of like the distributors were just all just oh, closing yeah. up shop. So, I mean, I think that was the main. But you think and, and, and a lot of people like on the what was at the time was the, the news groups were thinking that it was the Noah stuff. That was the reason why it closed down or if just maybe it's all of the above. Just I it was. Yeah, I mean, the the file sharing hadn't. It wasn't big enough at the at, at that point. I mean, it was coming, um, and um, we had actually even, I guess, like in the last, like sometimes, and it, it was either in '98 or '99. Um, we had actually, you know, we were being actively courted by eMusic to license stuff to sell, and I, I'm trying to remember if we did. I think we did do a little bit of it. Just I don't know. I think maybe we did. Um, but that it wasn't as as huge and and now and just the Napster wasn't um, as dominant, I guess. So there, I'm sure there was some file sharing, but it wasn't like there like a year or two later when it was just everywhere and nobody was paying for anything. Um, and the Noah thing really, from what I know of of how much money was involved, um, it didn't sink the label. Um, it was a lot of money, but um, it was more the betrayal and the, yeah. Um, yeah, it really, it was awful. I mean, particularly at that point, because, you know, we had, you know, we, we had felt we had been, you know, you know, toward, you know, at the, at the end of the nineties, we felt pretty beat up. Um, and, you know, a lot of people we had, we had worked with, collaborative i'm sorry collaboratively uh earlier in the decade um you know did things that weren't nice and um you know there were there was you know there were it got, it got kind of rough and it, you know and some of that's to be expected but some of it didn't need to need to happen and yeah um so just you know it was just you know this you know it wasn't the final, you know, nail in the coffin, but it was definitely a nail in the coffin. But the the real the, the real big thing was, um, at least from my viewpoint, and you know, you can take that with a, a, a grain of salt because I'm sort of sure there are other perspectives too. But it was, you know, we had done, you know, we had we had, and in a way, and it, in a way, it's like I'm tooting tooting my own horn. But I think we, as a label we had done such a good job about getting the word out about um, our bands and about ska music and had been, you know, carrying that flag for so long, um, you know, that we, in, in many ways, sort of the hype that we created at least at the independent label, label I'm sorry, at the independent level um, was big and maybe outsized. And in some ways we were, you know, um, you know, we, the hype, the hype was bigger than the, you know, it didn't translate into sales. So, you know, our distributors, um, you know, were doing it like 
you know, Carolyn was doing an amazing job of getting our stuff out there. And, you know, ska was, you know, when, when the major labels had interest in ska music, you know, they were expecting to sell tens of thousands of CDs. So they were ordering tons of stuff from all of our bands and some of our bands, you know, that was a wise thing to do. And it was, you know, they were going to sell a lot. And there were some of our bands that, you know, they were going to do okay, but they weren't going to sell, yeah. you know, what was being ordered. Um, so that really was sort of the, you know, the killer. And then when, you know, towards, you know, 98 things, you know, 98 and 99, there were articles like, you know, there was I, I, there was an article in like Alternative Press, and I think there was a bil- big Billboard article, both declaring Ska dead, and no, seriously, like I know, I know. I think it's- Ska is dead, and you know, it was just it, it was crazy, and you you know, there I remember reading in the article how like they had they were interviewing um, like you know commercial DJs, and they were just like tearing into the music, just like. Um, and it was, it was brutal. And then, and then, and that had such an effect that it, you know, it spooked all of the, you know, a lot of the, definitely a lot of the chain stores that were like, well, we never really sold a lot of these. And now, you know, the industry is saying it's over and, you know, swing and whatever is the next big thing. I didn't even think Um, swing though. I mean, it was like, it went just straight into like emo and this whiny like the screamo stuff and yeah the early 2000s and and stuff was a bit rough it was just music i was like i've been making playlists for ska and then punk and even punk too and it's just around that time of like the 2000s it was just brutal it just wasn't like the stuff i liked at all no no um but literally some of the articles did say they were like swing is the next big thing like they they quoted liberally saying swing was an epic thing so like just the the return like literally every day it was and, for a point <laughs> yeah no and it was yeah. right? it was big for you know six months um and then it went back to being you know where it was in the underground and that's fine i mean there's you know i don't want to knock it um but there was a period in in 99 and late late 98 and then 99 were literally um, where we, when the UPS truck used to show up, we'd be, you know, really so happy. Like we're sending out all these mail orders and I'm sending out all these promotional things and, you know, we're shipping things to, to stores, um, that stopped. And it was just the guy returning box after box after box of CDs. I mean, a hundred count box, 200 count boxes. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was awful. I mean, we dreaded it. Mm. um yeah it was it was just it was so it was awful it's kind Um, of in the same way of with my site getting on the other end i was happy getting all these packages every single day i'd be like pissed if the ups guy didn't come to our house (laughs) and then and then just like around 2004 2008 or like in between that just stopped and everything's all digital which is yeah. fine because it's like at some point I just had so many CDs, so much like stuff yeah. that I just couldn't review anymore. And then, yes. and you know, I'll fuck it. I'll say it. Like I sold it on eBay because what do I want to do like with thousands of promos, you know, right. so it's like, no, exactly. and, exactly. and at some point it just fine. It's like, now I just will, I will accept 
digital, but at that time I was like loving all the CDs and blue eyes. I'll still get Blu-rays and stuff to review, but it's yeah. part of the perks of the site. <laughs> I yeah. just, I yeah. love getting all the stuff from moon. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, and it, and it didn't, I mean, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I, um, I mean, obviously now I'm reviewing stuff too for, for, uh, the Duff guy to and, you know, it is all, it's mostly digital or I buy it I, if I want the physical copy. And there, there's some, there's some bands that send me, um, you know, a CD or an LP and I, or a single, and I really appreciate it. Um, and it would be nice to get more of that. Um, I'll get records and, and I'm like, um, I don't have a vinyl. I don't have vinyl. I don't, I don't like vinyl. I don't like, I don't even have a CD player on my computer now. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, sometimes that happens. And then like the, the rare like cassette, I'm like, well, I have a cassette UPS converter, but I know that's starting to be big with Jump Up doing yeah. that. And, and, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Scott Punk Daily doing the, was it Pay Attention Records? Pay or, Attention Records, yeah. 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 I mean, I, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, I, particularly, you know, when we were sending out all this product, you know, it was, you know, it was, I don't know. I felt that, it, you know, it, it, whether it was a zine or it was a, you know, college radio DJ or, um, you know, somebody at a local newspaper, um, you know, if they were going to take the time to do something with it, they're going to review it, they're going to play it. Um, you know, it was it was worth sending out. It was worth the the the, the, the time and effort. And Spreading the, the word of Scott. Yeah. yeah. And we really did it. I mean, and um, I mean, to Bucket's credit you know, he, he was re really un up until the end when it wasn't, you know, financially viable anymore. Um, he was like, you know, keep growing the list, keep sending stuff out, get it out there, get it reviewed. And, you know, we were getting, you know, we got very good results, um, you know, with this, you know, you know, this, you know, promotional list that I just grew and, and built up, you know, over the, you know, throughout the nineties. And, you know, it paid off, you know, in, in uh, you know, it paid off as, as much as it could for an independent label. Um, and we were never going to, you know, we were never going to be able to compete on commercial radio. We didn't, you know, we couldn't do the, the, the sort of wink, wink, pay to play stuff that, you know, the major Did the toasters ever get on the radio, like at like K rock or just like for don't let the. Bathroom. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. They, yeah, the, there were, there were a couple of, you know, all, you know, alternative or modern rock yeah. uh, stations that some of our stuff sometimes was played on. Um, and, uh, K rock was one of them. And, um, I, I want to say, no, nah, I, I don't, I don't think I remember it correctly. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but K -Rock, um, like, like our stuff did really well on radio free Hawaii, which was like a, which was actually a commercial alternative commercial station. And that's actually how, um, Memphis Goffley's ended up going there for the first time. Um, because they're, we, you know, we were saying, again, we were sending stuff to them. They were interested and they were playing ska music. So they got a copy of, of, um, uh, God bless Satan. And like their, their audience like freaked out and they actually got invited to like, you know, there was some, I don't know if it was a holiday concert or something, but. Um, it was all just because of that. It was, and, and that's when you think of Memphis Goffles, you think of holidays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's Santa, not Satan. Um, but, the, but the funny thing was a lot of stuff like that happened just because, you know, we were, you know, 
you know, we pay, you know, I made sure that we were paying attention to things like who's playing ska music, who's interested in it. And if they are, let's get them on the list and let's get them, you know, send them stuff. And, you know, I would even do things like when, you know, you know, when a college radio, um, you know, when I added a college radio station or a, or a DJ who had a ska show to station, I wouldn't just send the newest CD. I would send them, a, you know, a bunch of, of stuff going back in the catalog a, a bit. So they had, you know, a lot of stuff to play. Um, That's why I that, like the moon packages. <laughs> yeah, right. The moon packages were really, they were really good. They had information. They had the, they had the Skazette in it. So they knew what was going on at the label and with our bands. And, um, and for a lot of the time we were, we, there was also information about the scene in general and what other bands are doing and even other la ska labels. So um, it was, you know, we really, um, we really were pushing the whole, you know, the whole scene um most of the time <laughs> you know we were definitely pushing our stuff yeah. um but it really was this you know trying to big up the whole scene and and hope that um you know that that was um reciprocated um it wasn't always um but you know that's that was our attitude and that's what we were trying to do um now switching gears a little bit so i mean after after that and then seven wonders you did you did your Duff Guide to Ska Blog for a while, and then eventually you, you started with Mark Electric Avenue, right, and Characters, so you did a bunch of shows for that, right. and then you joined Rude Boy George. So, right. I mean, which was first? Did you do Rude Boy George? I mean, because wasn't it the first one of the first shows at Electric Avenue? Um, it was kind of around the same time. I mean, I think um, Electric Avenue, we started doing shows, I think just, I don't know, if we, I, think we, I, I think I definitely did a few. We both did a few shows there before uh, Rude Boy George debuted, um, but yeah, but that's actually the first. Um, is it? Yeah, it's the first place we played. We did our first show there, and it was really, it was funny because um, I was DJing and also making sure, you know, that everything was like running behind the scenes, um, and definitely absolutely nervous about it, and. So I stopped my, you know, I stopped my DJ set, run over to the, to the mic and turn it on. And then we just, you know, went into our set and it was great. It was a lot of fun. And, and, um, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was fantastic. It was, it was, was that your first band ever? Like, yeah. So it was like a midlife crisis kind of thing. Well, it was, a, it was a, yes, absolutely. Yes. I, I will, I will own up to it. Um, but it was also, you know, it was sort of, you know, I'd always had this for a couple of years, this idea was just kicking around in my head, like, wouldn't it be fun to, yeah. you know, I love, you know, new wave and post-punk and Scott and wouldn't it be nice to, you know, just, you know, you know, do that and, 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 uh, you know, have a lot of fun with that. Um, and it, you know, I was just so, you know, fortunate to be able to, um, you know, be able to, you know, work with, you know, was such amazing uh, uh people on that band i mean everybody was like incredible so yeah it was just fun and um you know and, and you know my vision for it was more just like hey you know it was more it was sort of the losers lounge do you know that do you know that band that they'll do like They'll do like a, a show where they do you know, like all Ramones and then so I was sort of thinking it of as uh, of that and um but other people you know wanted to do bigger and tour and do all that stuff which we I did for a while but 
as a as a grown up wasn't able to do. For yeah, I can Im- I can imagine. I'm like some of these some of the bands with people like with kids and just yeah full time oh. jobs. I'm like I don't know how you could do it. It's like yeah. you have to be really really committed to doing it. Yeah, no, it's so it's so hard. Um, and it just you you know you're someone's always going to be unhappy with you. Let's put it that way. Like whatever yeah. decisions you're making, someone's going to be unhappy. So, but it was great. And I, you know, I had such a good time and, and I'm really glad that, you know, even at this point, the, you know, Rude Boy George has gone through sort of, you know, several, you know, uh, change ups in, in its lineup. It's still going and it's, uh, and it's great. And I'm yeah. so happy, so happy for them. So it's really good. Um, so I mean, with, Electric Avenue. What was the last show? I mean, I think Characters is closed. You said, I th- yeah, char- yeah. Characters closed. Um, be- you know, they they were mid. You know, they were look. If, if, if that was a anyway, shitty location. Know where they were? They were Midtown. They were right around the corner from um, the Ed Sullivan Theater, where Stephen Colbert tapes. And you know, you know, that's not a residential area, and so they thrived on you know. Uh, tourists and they thrived on people working in the neighborhood and um, yeah, they just, they couldn't because of COVID, right? I mean, so so, yeah, it was a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. They were doing, they were doing quite well before the pandemic hit. So yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, if you, would would you consider, because it seemed like you kind of, it kind of pittered out a little bit with, yeah, it got, it got, um, I mean, I did, I did a show, in 2000, uh, in 2019, um, it, it must've been that summer. Uh, was it with I the Rudy know. crew and yeah, who was it? It was, um, I'm trying to remember. It was, Rudy it, was crew. it was after Radix Fest and that whole yeah. clusterfuck that I had to deal with. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. That was such a, yeah, I, that was a, we don't need to go. We don't need to go. Into it. Just, I've already talked about it. Yeah, but yeah, so it was just it was, it it was it was the wrong. I think it was the wrong venue and the wrong time of the year and wrong everything. And it I just be. wanted the birthday party, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but it was but it was fun, you know. But it was fun to do, and I was definitely you know I was definitely planning to, um, because when I was I was doing for about a. I don't know about a year and a half, two years. I was doing it almost every month, and that was just—it was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and it was, and it was also hard because um, we were sort of doing the, uh, we were doing the um, autos model of, you know, trying. We were trying to like get people to pay, but not being. And you get drunk you know, people from the bar coming to squeeze them. Yeah, in. yeah, and it was just you know the the setup for that wasn't exactly. Great. And, you know, I would, I would definitely, for most of the shows, ended up kicking in some of my own money. Just, so yeah. was- I, I, I could see it because, I mean, there was some people, but it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't really a huge turnout, unfortunately, yeah. which it should have been. But, yeah. No, we averaged probably like, I mean, we had, we were probably around like, if it was really good, I don't know, anywhere from like 40 to like 60 or 70. We had some big shows, but, yeah that but i mean they were fun to do and everybody who was there had a great time and i i enjoyed it and the people who were there really they i remember that chris murray one i was like i was supposed to film him that day for my 
before the concert thing and then he ended up being late and then it was delayed then he didn't end up going on to like one or two i'm like i yeah. can't believe i've been out like i've never been out in new york city at 2 a.m before <laughs> and i'm like hopefully this the past train gets back to jersey city on time and it was oh like it was still God. fun because then it was like a bunch of like bridal showers showed up and chris was playing oh, with <laughs> yeah it was a it was a fun that was a great night and he's i, I love chris he's fantastic um yeah, it, it was really, it was nice. I remember afterwards, like, trying to tell him, like, he, he was going somewhere and, like, he had to end up in Queens or something. I was, like, trying to tell him how to get there. But he is, he is, I'm not, you know, of course, he got where he had to go, I'm sure. But, yeah. He, he's a, a world traveler, so. Um, but, yeah, the, the those shows were, were fun to do. And I was, uh, you know, talking with, uh, with uh, Ryan Midnight. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he's been on a few times. Yeah, I'm probably trying to do um, some stuff with him at Autos when things open up, just because that's I I love that place and it's it's fun. Yeah, it's where we had the rejunk party. You yeah, right, DJ'd. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's where we had the um, I don't know if you were there, but that's where we had the the first Rude Boy George uh, CD release party. Yes, I was there. Yeah, but yeah. Was, that was it Scofflaws? Yeah, it was yeah. it was Scofflaws and B Brigade, and it was that was a that was honestly that was one of the best nights of my life it was so good it was everybody fun. was so good it i think i fun. missed beeper gate were they on last or first they because on, they were on last okay they were, yeah i think um, i had two shows that day so i like went to one show at the bitter end and then i went and i'm like okay gonna you know <laughs> then went there and went over here and yeah yeah but that was a, that was a that was a really fun night and and um, that was like a party yeah it was I mean what's great about that place is it if it fills up you don't need that well you don't need that many people to fill it up fill mm -hmm. up the back room but when it's full it feels great and um, it was just a great night I don't you know there were a lot of people there uh, that I knew and I don't know it was just fun it was and that's honestly that's all I ever wanted and um, out of that band was just like you know, making music, having fun, um, and, uh, kind of forgetting about everything else. And, and actually like I, uh, uh, Jesse, the guitarist, uh, for Rude Boy George, I'm sorry, for Rude Boy George. I got the same thing. I always bah, bah, bah. <laughs> tripping over my words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he still talks about like, that was like one, he, that was one of the best, even though it wasn't this huge, you know, huge, you know, you know, huge show in front of thousands. He still says that was one of the, his favorite nights. Um, he had such a good time. I thought the, re, uh, the, the rejunk party, I thought would have been the highlight, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. I was expecting a lot more people for the rejunk one, but it was like a lot of, I like a lot of friends said they were coming and then they didn't. I'm like, what? But it was still, that was still fun though. Yeah. No, no, that was still a great night. And, and the thing is, it's, you know, as as all band as all bands know, it's you know, it's it's hard to get people out. Yeah, always, 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 always. Um, so when they come, they're just so thankful and grateful. So, do you want to talk about that the the thing that we brought up earlier, where I guess it was the interrupters? I think you wrote an article about and about how it was like Amy interrupter was right wing and, and then that whole like blew up out of really out of control. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's kind of interesting. And, um, essentially there was, um, somebody, you know, I, the, 
the interrupters weren't really on my radar. I mean, they were, and I knew that they were doing stuff with like with Tim Armstrong. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was it? Uh, when it, particularly they were doing like the Tim Time Bomb stuff, which was which was actually pretty cool. Um, and then somebody put a, a bug in my ear um, about well, you know, sort of some of the background uh, with Amy Interrupter, and I don't want to don't want to make this into like some sort of a no, I don't want to like rehash like yeah. rehash it, but I was just um, like, but essentially there was like you know he was the person who told me sort of some of the background and pointed me in certain directions, and I was just like, it, basically the article the article the the piece I ended up writing was. <clears throat> A was not about trying to, um, you know, now we would say cancel them. This was back in 2014, <laughs> but, but essentially just like, you know, be, you know, this is, this is weird. And I thought I was just, I was kind of messaging, I guess it was, it like, was the messaging and they yeah. were, they were like, Oh yeah. Because you know, they were all like the, the messaging that I was hearing at the time about the band was like, Oh, they're carrying on the two tone tradition and da da da. And then I'm like, but you're on Alex Jones and you're, you were promoting Ron Paul, who has really kind of a lot of racist stuff going on there. And it was just, it kind of, you know, and I'm, and, and I will, you know, be out there that I, and I, I think libertarianism is ridiculous and it's this selfish like ludicrous, you know, ideology, like, Oh, we're going to just, I don't know, fend for ourselves type thing. And I'm like, no. And, 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 and so yeah, the racism, you had that sort of, you know, you know, screw everybody else. I'm going to be selfish attitude. And it was, and then sort of this, like, but we're carrying on this tutorial tradition. And, the, and so I was sort of like, you know, but the, that's not what two-tone was about. And it was, it was, it was about, you know, being anti-racist and calling out racists and, and not being, you know, not accepting that and, and certainly not, you know, you know, writing songs for candidates who are racist. Um, so, I mean, like when you wrote the article though, I mean, like how long did it take for it to kind of blow up and get into the ba the band's ear? <laughs> not long, not long. I heard, I heard pretty soon afterwards from them. Um, and, you know, they reached out to me and they were, they were upset. And, and in some ways, I, I think instead of, I think they, you know, and I, you know, and I can see from their viewpoint that they felt it was, a, a, you know, a, a really sort of full on attack. And it was, and I was, it was more about like, you know, this is, you know, what, you know, what had been going on and what they were trying to associate themselves with was not compatible mm -hmm. and you know and i didn't say don't buy their stuff i just said like you should be aware of like people out there like be, you know know your product that was the the name of the of the um of the of the post that i wrote and it was about that it was like you know you should be aware of this if you're gonna you know you i didn't say don't listen to the music i didn't say you know go out and boycott them but i was like you know be aware that some of the stuff going on is not simply just the typical um you know punk rock question of question authority type um attitude that i i think a lot of people were assuming and still assume um uh so you know i was like you know you should know what's going on and you know and i'm sure there was stuff i didn't get 100 right and maybe didn't you know represent completely and that's why um when one of the members of the band said that they wanted to 
you know, sort of provide a, a counterpoint to what I wrote. I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got, there were tons and tons and tons of comments on that particular <laughs> posting. Um, and I ended up, and I was stupid and I ended up getting into sort of a big back and forth with somebody that I'm not going to say because it got really heated and, um, you know, in a sort of a ridiculous way. Um, and, and was seen as an attack on that person. And I'm like, I'm not attacking you. I'm trying to explain yeah. what I'm seeing and, and what I'm, I'm doing. Um, so, I mean, you know, and I actually ended up, um, fairly recently. Um, so it was up, you know, for, you know, from 2014 till just recently. And I actually ended up taking it down with somebody, I don't know. There's somebody who po- I got another comment because I've still been getting comments. I still get, yeah, I yeah. still get comments from, or like people that's like the most popular thing is like the things that I don't want them to be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got this one kind of very thoughtful comment saying, you know, you know, agreeing with what I'd, I'd been, you know, what I had written for the time. So, mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, the, the commenter pointed out, like, you know, they have, you know, they've been supportive of, of Black Lives Matter and had done all this, you know, they had done things that were m- much more, you know, positive. And, and, and the, the commenter was basically like saying like, you know, p- you know, can't people change and, and be, you know, not forever sort of frozen in one moment of their lives. And I was like, you know, what? you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is out there. It's been out there. Um, and actually, I, I don't think a lot of people saw this, but there was because it was behind a paywall. But sometime in like 2000, in 2020, there was an article. No, it must have been 2019. There was an article in in uh, the Telegraph newspaper um, that basically that I think the headline was something like, you know, the interrupters have like an Alex Jones problem or something. And I finally recently saw somebody copied the whole article and put it up on their blog. And so I was able to read it. And, um, and I, and it was actually really whoever, uh, you know, whoever whoever wrote the article was a really, it was a, it was a fair article to them and pointed out like, you know, back then, you know, Amy had, had, you know, done these, you know, I think I read that. Yeah. Alex Jones a bunch and did the Ron Paul stuff. Um, but he, but the, 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 the reviewer, the, the, uh, sorry, the, uh, the journalist basically said like, he, you know, things were great and they were getting along and then he brought it up and he was just like, he was like the temperature in the room dropped <laughs> and it was just like everyone you know, looked at each other and, you know, and, and, you know, to Amy's, you know, credit, uh, you know, had said, you know what, you know, we disown all that. We were wrong I, or she was wrong. Mm-hmm. I, for, I forget exactly how it was phrased and I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but basically saying, you know, it was wrong. We apologize, you know, you know, you know, so, you know, and I, I do think that, you know, people, you know, if, if people, I think people obviously have the capacity to grow and evolve and, um, you know. So with that said, do you think, do you think you like the band now (laughs) Um, (laughs) or some songs at least? I mean, I, you know, I don't want to, I mean, it's, it's, I'm really not, not, it's not your thing, I think. The, the they're Scott not my Punk. thing. And, and I totally, I absolutely get why people like them. And I and I don't, you know, I'm not huge on, on the Scott Punk tip 
it's just not it's just not my thing mm-hmm. um and um but again i i i you know objectively i see why people like them and you know that's 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 totally it's, fine. it's kind of a good segue to the, the last part i guess i wanted to talk about yeah it was with that ska's back and i uh, feel like they yeah. are the kings and queens of of <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's i mean it's fascinating um you know so it never went away it, you know <laughs> it it's weird in that um when okay so obviously we're talking about you know uh aaron karn's book in defense of ska which i reviewed and i you know i think it's a i think it's a a great book and it's very funny and it it definitely has some very insight i wasn't really particular mentioning him though i mean i was just i feel like everyone i think i'll i'll a lot of the ska um bands that are on bad time records and yeah. other are, are just like rephrasing it to new tone and or new yeah. wave i'm like no that's taken already and <laughs> and, exactly. and well, yeah and i agree with you but i i think the his um his book though became as his book sort of and particularly because i mean it's a really interesting book because it's part like um, you know, how it's, you know, it's a, it's a love note to Skanking Pickle, like the first band, the first God band that he got into and absolutely loves. And, and then it, it's also part sort of like, you know, the, the Scott punk band he was in, in the early nineties was flat planet. So it's sort of like some of their crazy road stories and stuff like that. And then, you know, it covers some, some sort of like modern bands, modern ska bands, like, you know, some toaster stuff, some let's go bowling stuff, but a lot of it's really focused on the ska punk uh, bands, which is fine. I mean, that's his thing and that's what he loves and a lot of stuff in California. And so he's done an amazing, and because he's a music journalist who has written for, you know, like, you know, uh, like indie, uh, uh, you know, alternative, uh, you know, weeklies, but also, like national publications um he's he's got some really good connections and a lot of the you know he was able to get a lot of uh articles and sort of features about his book then that also then um immediately sort of latched on to the stuff that was going on with bad time records which again is great i'm i'm happy for them i'm happy for all the bands on that label and i'm happy for that aspect of the ska world but it was sort of like you got into some very lazy journalism because then we were, you know, you were, you were saying them, there were like dozens of these pieces where it was the same thing, like Ska's back, but it's only, you know, this label, these bands. And it was sort of like, Whoa, wait, there are all these other, you know, yeah, there's a lot more going on. Um, that needs to and be it's all, and it's all the big, the big like websites that are, that don't, usually talk about ska that are saying that it's yeah. back it's like it's never fucking yes. left i've covered it for 25 years almost now <laughs> and like yeah it's it's always been around and, and i get i get some of the bands trying to rephrase it to but i i think of it more as you're a moon band or you're an asian asian right. records band like i associate like if if i know the label I will go look up the other bands and see if that's my cup of tea 
you know, that's how it was back in the day. I don't know how, I mean, it's kind of different now with the label structure because like look at Epitaph or other bands, like they have so many variety of bands. Right. So it's not just like a ska label. So, I mean, with what ska punk daily and um, jump up are doing right now with the pay, that, that's just going to be ska. So at least it's like, you know, it's got, and same thing with bad time records. It's like, you know, it's just going to be strictly ska punk. Right. Um, and right, I, which, is, which is good, you know, I, I yeah. And I like that. You know. Yeah, and I, I think we we were I think we were discussing this the other day, like on you know social media, just about how it kind of has that feel of the late '90s. Of I'm not we're not going to name names of bands, but it just feels like there is a lot of like s- saturation of the same style of, yes. of that, or that's getting noticed. I guess is yes, um, which is which is okay, but at the same time, it's it, okay in the sense that I think make you explore this, the other bands out there. Right. At the same time, I mean, it's like the same shit over and over again. But yeah, exactly. Now I have to say like, um, like I, I'd been really kind of a little bent out of shape because uh, like, like Brooklyn vegan had been, it seemed like there was just sort of this direct line from like bad time records into Brooklyn vegan. And I was getting kind of like tired. It was like, that's all they were covering was cow music. But then they did. Uh, did you see this the other day? They did a interview with Mark Wasserman about. His I did. Book. Yeah, it was the one of the few things I clicked on their site yeah. because it's it's just the one. Uh, the guy that does all the ska stuff, like right. he's just it's just every day I'm seeing BV doing ska stuff, and I'm like, yeah, yeah you guys were making fun of this shit about ten years ago. So I'm like, <laughs> I know like Andrew is, is writing it now, and he's being the ska prophet on that site, but. I don't know. Uh, I've, there's some sites out there that just the snobbery is is unreal. Oh, but yes, <laughs> well, no, I did. I, I, no, having said that, I did feel I, at least I was like, oh yes, you're you're covering but, something else. But Mark did, yeah, Mark did a good job. Yeah, and and um, that was yeah, and I was really happy for him. And and you know, I, I, what's going to be nice is that his book is going to be sort of this corrective to. You know, everyone thinking there's sort of one narrative. No, there are a lot of narratives and there are a lot of different things going on. And, and you know, pretty much, you know, all of the bands in his book are like, you know, Scott Punk was, you know, it, it hadn't been invented yet because he's covering stuff before all that, before Operation Ivy, before the Boston's, you know, and, um, you know, it was, you know, the, well, you know, as the title says, the birth of the American Scott scene, yeah. so. Um, you know, I, which is really good. So I'm really, I'm happy that that's out there and it's going to, you know, get a big push, um, and, you know, present, oh no, there's other stuff going on. So, and I got a, you know, I got a plug in that, in, in that, uh, interview too. So I was happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, um, so since you're kind of not, you're not, you're the Scott Punk stuff of, of today isn't your cup of tea, I guess. But I mean, so what are some bands that you think other people should be listening to that you've recently reviewed on Duff Guide? You know, God, they're like, like, <laughs> like rock. I know it's like, I'm, I've been like more going towards like rock steady, like, you know. Yes. I mean, J.R. Thomas, Junior Thomas, and the Volcanoes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Like, oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, there's, Honestly, there's just, there's, there's so much going on, um, like all over the place that it's, it's, it's hard, uh, to, to keep up. And, um, I mean, one of my, like the stuff that, 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 uh, Sean Flowerdew has been doing with happy people records. I don't know if you've been following. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's like vinyl. At the seven un- inches, yeah, yeah, and just like the, the the you know, it's from all over the place, and the quality of everything he's releasing is extraordinary. It's on vinyl, um, but it's also on Bandcamp. I think. Yeah, has, yeah. and it's yeah, it's, it's also digital. Um, but it's just like just like some of the most amazing ska and reggae and everything, you know, and rock city. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I feel silly just sort of like blanking out, but there's just so much like I'm, my, my brain is like on overload. So go <laughs> to ska and look, <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, like one of, you know, um, one of the bands that comes to mind that I didn't know, uh, uh, at first is um, is the co-operators out of England and the the producer and um, Ewan um, uh, Ewan Perkins is just inc- like uh, the stuff the stuff he's been doing with uh, a whole bunch of people like uh, like Joe York who sings in this falsetto um, very much like um, like Junior Mervin and and uh, the Heptones is just mm. the Congos is like unbelievable this the stuff that they're you know and writing you know all they're writing is it like rocksteady like like no actually that stuff is um well it's a the stuff with the cooperators is a mix of of like there's there's definitely a mix of like sky rocksteady and reggae and dub and it's just it's all amazing Mm. um like they're just i mean they're just right now there's just so much good stuff and and it's kind of interesting because it's um so much of it is is again sort of under the radar but if you know if you know where to look and you know just to pay attention there's just there's stuff there's you know? other sites out there besides they're covering just the ska punk stuff all the time yeah no there's <laughs> there's, there's so much so. if my website would work one of these days god i've been having such a damn time the last couple of days I'm like, why what, what happened just like i don't know the site it's because it's 24 years old and i have 20,000 oh entries and it's oh. just slowing down and i'm like i need I'm to delete some stuff which i have been but yeah you got to archive and, it. and i need a developer help because there's only so much i can do um all right so we'll just we'll, we'll end it with uh i mean do you plan on going to any shows this summer or fall i mean i don't know if you went to that mad ball at thompson square park no <laughs> well you see that was still no, I did not go to that. Although there was a um, God, what was their name? The the it was like their first show. There was a it was a rock there, city. There was band. a there was a rock city band that played. It was like the Captures or something. A band I'd never heard of. It was like the sax player that's always in Murphy's Law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I watched uh, one of the videos and they were actually really good. But the, I was like, yeah, Ryan went to that. I was like, and my yeah. down and actually my downstairs neighbor went to it. So I was like, so I was talking to him about. It. He's like, yeah, there was about 70, 20 percent of people wearing masks. This is before like the CDC yeah. changed things up. But I'm still like I don't know. I'm still kind of weary. Like it looked covidy. Yeah, it was not. It was. It, it was too. I mean, now I think it'd be fine. But then it seemed a little. I too think early. the problem with it was it was free, and I think yes. I think if it would have been a little more controlled, I think it would have been fine and not as on the news everywhere. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I think they, didn't they end up like sort of like inadvertently screwing over a lot of other. A lot of other free uh, events and stuff. Shows that were supposed to happen in in Tompkins Square. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what happened after that. I know they were having permits looked at because some of them were kind of questionable with what they put down, or or that's what it was yes, reported. Right. But yes. <laughs> then the production people were counter countering that. I guess I don't know, but I know there's 
there's a lot of it's weird just seeing like now there's just daily news of shows and, and tours yeah. being announced and it's like wow it's getting back to to yes. what it was and hopefully it stays that way if people get fucking vaccinated yeah exactly <laughs> i mean i mean i am i am you know i am fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated. I, am, I am ready i'm ready to go to shows and perfectly comfortable and and all the you know all the science and all the the you know the cdc guidance is that you know you're vaccinated you're you're protected and you know it's the people who are unvaccinated who are going to be sneaking in and not wearing masks they're going to be a risk and uh it's you know just I'm get like, the shot everybody yeah i wonder if they'll do like temperature checks at the venues or like things like or maybe that. you'll have to i mean um like a month ago, my well, my son went up to a Yankees game and had to show his uh, CDC vaccination oh. to get in. So, yeah, might- I don't know if that's going to be legal though. I mean, as as much as you think it makes sense, yeah. that's like you're vaccinated, you can come in. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, honestly, it you know, it's it's a matter of public health. I mean, but it's also mm-hmm. like, come on, like just everybody should just do it. The you know, I I find it I find it some people that I know that they're like hesitant to get it or they just question it i'm like you've done so much drugs you smoke cigarettes <laughs> and this is the shit that you're worried about <laughs> yeah no it's true you right drink I mean, alcohol like there's i'm like i'm yeah. straight edge still so i was like you do all this other shit and this is the thing you're fucking worried about i don't yeah, know it's exactly. people are fucking you're, morons. you're getting you're you're getting pills and you're smoking things out of like little glass <laughs> bags like you don't know where that came from yeah, this has been tested at least. So, um. like I've seen you. I've seen you get handed things at shows before and smoke it. And <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and you don't you want to. No idea what's in there. Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I'm 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 absolutely ready for shows. And um, and I was looking up Genesis and MSG, but I was like four hundred something, three hundred dollars for a ticket. I was like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> for like the boonies. I was like, no. Oh. Jeez. To see Phil Collins sitting in the chair, it's like I was kind oh. of doing the like, go to see see it from my dad, like because yeah. that was one of his bands. But then oh. he would he would say that they're fucking sellouts, you know, when he <laughs> when he got popular. He was the, he was he liked the genesis of the Peter Gabriel Peter Gabriel years yeah. area, and that's like I like the Phil Collins. So it's like that was more of the pop. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, well, I did buy um I did buy tickets for uh psychedelic furs. Psychedelic furs in November okay. at the Apollo. So uh, yeah, I did see that. I'm you know, I'm ready for other stuff. Like bring it on. Like Yeah, think, Irving Plaza is opening up and yes. I'm yeah. like that thing seemed like it was ready to fall apart the last yeah. couple of years. That was good that they finally renovated it. I yeah. think like Slackers are playing in December, that's what it is. Yes, right, right. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Like, but I haven't seen I haven't too, seen too many um Ska shows yet, but I'm sure I'm sure it's the summer and the fall. I'm sure in the fall there's gonna be a ton. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, looking forward to it. All right, this was. I think you're probably the longest guest that I talked to. I mean, it was a two parter, but I'm gonna just merge it together. But nice. I had a lot to talk about with you. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we could have talked a uh, talked a lot more, but just about other things too in life but Absolutely. i could always be a you can always come back on oh i'd be happy to please i'm anytime. sure adam yeah. and ray would they probably would have been on this too and probably asked you a lot more other questions but well, let's let's do a, let's do another uh another episode and, and yeah i did definitely have adam and ray 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 and i when ray the last time i saw him like yeah it must have been the summer of 2019 
and we were out at actually I, uh, whose birthday was it? We were out at somebody's birthday out at some bar. I don't know. I don't even know where it was in Brooklyn. And like we talked for like it must have been like two or three hours straight about ska music. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, and it was good. It was good stuff. And um, yeah, it, it was it's pretty awesome. So he and I he and I can talk for hours. Now, yeah. So. Um, yeah, so put, put us all together. And then Adam will cut us all down to size. And then just talk about Rush. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, one, yeah. last, one last thing. Do you think there ever will be a Moon Records documentary? You know, um, I was actually talking. I know Mike from Sergeant Skag reached out. Yeah, to Mike, yeah. Mike, Mike, yeah Mike was talking. Uh, it was probably about five years ago we were talking about doing it. And... He had, uh, this is crazy. He had just finished working on The Apprentice <laughs> with yeah. He Who Shall Not Be Named. Um, yeah, exactly. And he, um, so he had free time and, you know, he has all this production work, but we just, we didn't quite, at the time, I didn't have the time. Um, I but think, I think I with know. music I, documentaries I, these days, I think it's a worthy subject to get into. I, I do think. too. And I think, um, you know, you I guys have to be willing to talk about it, though. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going to put it in the back of my head. I mean, the, right now, the the project I'm working on is. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it the last time that I'm writing the book about. Yeah, we did that in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, maybe that can. Uh, let me get that done, and and let me. The, that might be the project after it to sort of come up with something interesting. And and um, I mean, they're in. It's funny because I've been sort of reluctant to to do a a whole Moon Records thing just because there's it's so there's it's so big and so I don't know I can't get my my arms around it. But I think to maybe doing a documentary would be certainly a an easier way to do it, and then let other people do the you know. Yeah, you just have to get everyone that's there involved and their side of the story, and everyone's willing to to say what they need to say without holding back. Yeah, but have oh, a narrative yeah. about it, you know. I, th- I think you guys can make work. I think I think enough time has passed so you guys can probably bury hatchets and talk about oh, things. Absolutely. And yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, I um, you know, and I I I've said this over and over. Just like you know, I Moon Records was amazing and the the best. You know, it, it was the best job I ever had. The best job I ever could have hoped to have had. Um, and, um, it was just amazing. And I'm, you know, always grateful to Bucket for that opportunity. And, and, you know, you know, it was, I, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, um, and I think, um, you know, I know that he was, you know, at, (laughs) at the end of it, it, you know, battered and bruised and, um, very, you know, soured a lot on the music industry. Um, but he accomplished, you know, the label accomplished some amazing things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has a, a very, um, he has an incredible legacy. I mean, the, the I mean, label. just look at what he was doing on social media to saying like, oh, I have shirts. I want to replay. Yeah. He sold a. Sh- I mean, I bought one. I'm like, I bought one. Like, I never got that one before. So it's like he was selling it on the Toaster's Facebook page. If people yes, want. I bought Ooh. one too. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, it was, I mean, that, that New York City ska, image is just so iconic and um 
you know, it was the, it was the, the Walt jabs go of, of moon records. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, that was our, our logo. I mean, our, you know, represented everything that was going on in, in this, this New York city ska scene. And it was just, it was so amazing. And, um, the written, you know, the shirt I had, you know, disintegrated the, the original one I had years ago, disintegrated. Um, so I was so happy just to have it. And I think, um, you know, I think that there's so many, anybody who was around back then and who likes ska music, um, they have at least a couple of, of, of records. Stickers, pins. Yeah, they have something. They have merchandise. Have the, they have yeah, CD the pencil music. sharpener. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have stuff. And, you know, they had at least one band, if not many, that they liked on that label. And, it, you know, it's a, you know, it was, it was a big part of a lot of people's lives. And, and um, you know, there's the legacy is, is you know, a, a good one and, and still strong. And, and I would like, you know, I'm glad, I'm really glad that Bucket was doing that and also brought back some of the other, yeah. um, the other logos and is, you know, you know, selling some of this stuff. There's a, you know, there's a, 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 a you know, I don't want to use nostalgia, but there is a, that, cause that's sort of, uh, but there is sort of a nostalgia for that. It was, a, there was some good stuff going on and, and, um, you know, I'm, 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 honored and thrilled that i was part of it so um so yeah um so where can people find you on duff guide you're on you're on instagram and social yeah i'm on on instagram as uh duff guide to sky and facebook duff guide to duff guide to sky and um the blog is actually at uh blogspot.com um buy a domain name just for i know i read I, I try to go as cheap as possible. <laughs> What's this? Fifteen dollars a year? <laughs> I know. Um, I will. I know. I need to. I need to rectify that. Um, Just a little redirect or something. I don't know. I know. It's. I am shamed. <laughs> you have shamed me. I mean, I'm spending hundred dollars, and my site doesn't even fucking work right now. So I mean, Blogspot's probably the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, you just look. Just put. Stuff guy just got in your search in the Googles. Yeah, exactly. All right, Steve. So, thanks a lot for talking with me for um, two weeks was, in a row. Absolutely. It's my oh pleasure. no, sorry. The one episode. One episode. Yeah, one episode. <laughs> Magic of digital editing. All right. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to come back. Great. And, and do more. So. All right. Everyone, go yeah. buy his book on Amazon too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.